Well, I took a little extra time on the offering. Are you going to dock me my time on the message here? <laughs> uh, you know, aren't we thankful that uh, nobody's going to come kick us out if, if we go over time, whatever that is? It's our place. Hallelujah. Aren't we thankful for that? Thank you, Lord. It really is a blessing. Uh, go to 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, please. 1 Corinthians 13, and also uh, we'll be going to Acts 24. 1 Corinthians 13, Acts 24. We've been on a subject when I've been with you that we're calling uh, Love Over Knowledge. Love Over Knowledge. And in this uh, 13th chapter of uh, 1 Corinthians, it's called the, the love chapter, and it does, it describes the characteristics of the love of God, but it's also, half the chapter is about growing up spiritually, which is not a change of subject. To grow up in God is to grow up in love, because God is love. In 1 Corinthians 13, he, he describes Love and, and its characteristics. And verse 8, he says, love never fails. Now, actually, you can understand that is love never fails to exist. Love never ends is, is another correct way of saying that. And you see that's in keeping with the rest of the phrases he now says. Prophecies shall fail. Now, that doesn't mean that a word of the Lord is going to fail to come to pass. That means it'll be fulfilled, and then that'll be the completion of it. Um, Tongues, they'll cease. There'll come a time when there'll be no need for them. As he says later, because we'll understand as we'll know as we are known. And right now, though, we need the ability of speaking in tongues because of the limitation of our knowledge. We need to be able to pray beyond what we know. There will come a time we won't need that. But right now we do. And, and also can you see, and right now, prophecies are still being fulfilled. And right now, knowledge hadn't vanished away. But there's coming a time. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect or complete is come, that which is partial shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man or an adult, I put away childish things. Everybody, is, when they're born again, you're born again a spiritual baby. Just like when you're physically born, you're not born fully mature. And Scripture said, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Growth is not automatic by a passage, reason of passage of time. Just because you were born again 40 years ago doesn't mean you have developed into, a spirit, into some degree of spiritual maturity. You can still be an absolute spiritual infant after 50 years. It depends on have you been fed 
and have you exercised and have you developed and grown? And so that's what he's talking about. In verse 12, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. Now he he uses the word about knowing three times here. Know, known. Uh, I, I know in part. But then shall I know, even as also I am known. There's a lot in the word about knowing. And um, if you haven't been with us, we've already covered a lot of ground in 1 Corinthians 8 and also chapter 10 and Romans 14. We saw how much the New Testament emphasizes the conscience. And we saw where people from the church at Corinth wrote to Paul and asked him questions about is this right or is this not right? Is it okay to do this or is it not okay to do this? One of the things was, is it okay to eat uh, food that's been offered to idols? And they wanted a yes or no answer. They wanted it's it's right or it's, it's wrong answer. And that's not what he gave them. That's not what the Spirit of God gave them through him. He talked to them at length about their conscience. Their conscience. And it is the answer to so many questions in this life. Is it right or is it not right? People say, well, it's either right or it's not. You need to look again. It has to do with what you know. Anybody remember James says to him that knows to do good and doesn't do it to him it's sin. Well, isn't it either right or wrong? Well, it said to him according to what he knows or doesn't know. Now, yeah, maybe you're making a mistake and maybe it's going to turn out you realize later that it was wrong. But if you don't know it, then in the Lord's sight, it's not sin. But when you do know, then you're responsible for what you know. And what we know, I mean, the more I've looked at this, it's grown in me so much. It is so big. There's some 30 plus times in the New Testament alone, the conscience is repeatedly referred to about your conscience, your conscience, your conscience. It's got to be important. What is My conscience. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Acts 24. We we talked about that, gave you that chapter, I should say. Acts 24 and verse 16. Acts 24, 16 says, Herein do I exercise myself. So when you say "I, I exercise myself to do this, that means you're putting forth some attention and effort to do it. To do what? To have always a conscience that's void of offense toward God and toward men. We would call it a clear conscience. An accurate term from the scripture is also a clean conscience. Also a pure conscience. 
you'll see this terminology. As opposed to a uh, defiled conscience. Or even the Bible talks about a seared conscience. What is my conscience? Um, Go with me to the book of Romans. And the ninth chapter in the first verse. We've talked about this, but you don't mind a little bit of review, do you? Romans 9, 1, he says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. I always use the word spirit instead of ghost because it's the Greek word pneuma. And that's the word spirit. Ghost is a uh, King James word. (laughs) We we had a big meeting one time in Miami. And there was like 70 of us preachers that came into this restaurant for this banquet thing. And and it was a nice restaurant. And there was a bunch of people. And and this lady uh, reached up and caught. And man, she caught the right guy. Because this is one of the wildest evangelists we had in the group. She pulled on him and she said... uh, What's, what's all these people? What's going on? He said, we're having a Holy Ghost meeting. She said, really? She said, do, do you wear a costume for that? <laughs> when unbelievers hear the word ghost, they don't think Holy Spirit. But uh, <laughs> no, we don't wear a costume to that. Uh, Romans 9, 1 He said, I speak the truth in Christ, I lie not. Now you'll find that this is inseparable from honesty and sincerity. Honesty is actually something you grow in. It's always a choice, but you become become more honest as you become more aware. Is everybody listening? Don't just say, well, you know, I'm, I'm honest. You got no room to grow? I assure you, you do. Because you've been more contaminated by the phoniness of this world than you think. Uh, Satan is the god of this world. And he is a liar and the father of lies. And this whole ungodly world is just permeated with fakeness, phoniness, deception, outright lies. And uh, most people grew up around different degrees of deception. And you, you have to grow and realize it to change. And, you know, saying things you don't really mean, making excuses that are not true, exaggerating, leaving the wrong impression. All these things are varying degrees of dishonesty. And it's something that will be a barrier between you and God. Because he is completely intolerant of you not being sincere with him. And the thing is... You, uh, you can fool some people, but you can't fool him. 
I said, you can't fool it. If you're, if you're playing games, he won't even listen to it. You can use all the right words and you can quote the scriptures, but if your heart's somewhere else and something else, he knows it. And, and it's why the Bible said, uh, you know, he, he seeks those that will worship him how? How? In spirit and how? And in truth. And, you, and you'll find him when you seek for him with all your heart. Sincerely. Not the least bit of phoniness or falseness. And you grow in that. And you can tell people that you meet and interact with their immaturity by how much of this phoniness they still got. And then it's so refreshing when you meet a man or woman and you look them in the eye and they say something and you know they mean it. They mean that and not something else. And they're not trying to hide or shade or or trick you or manipulate you. You don't find it on every corner. But that's what you want to be, which is saying you want to grow up and be like the master. Because he is... Truth, the way, the truth, and the life. And his spirit is the spirit of truth. Hallelujah. His word is the word of truth, the gospel of truth, 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 truth. Don't assume, oh, yeah, I'm honest. You can grow. I said you can grow. You can become more aware and and that's, see, that's what he was talking about in 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child. Huh? I thought like a child. Children are big on imagination. Is that right? Children can exaggerate, too. Right? Well, see, that's not being honest. And you want to grow up and get out of this childish stuff. And it doesn't mean you can't have fun. doesn't mean you can't laugh and be happy and all that. It just means you never misrepresent. You never deceive. You never lie. Not for anybody. Not for any reason. Ever. And this is not just because it's the right thing to do. It's because you're going to want to hear from God about what to do tomorrow. And if you don't do this... You will interfere and interrupt and damage your communication link with the Holy Spirit. This is not my thoughts and ideas. This is the scripture. Notice this. Uh, Romans 9.1. My conscience bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Weiss translation says it like this. And this is because this is the literal definition of conscience. Weist says, truth I speak in Christ. I am not lying. You know, he, he wrote to the saints at Ephesus and told them to quit lying. These are tongue talkers. <laughs> and, he, and he told them to quit lying. And, and why would it be necessary for him? He's a man of God. But what does he say? I'm telling you the truth. I am not lying. My conscience is bearing joint testimony with me in the Holy Spirit. 
What is our conscience? The word conscience means co-co-knowing. Co-knowing. Joint consciousness. Somebody say co-knowing. How many understand you you can't, um, you know, uh, you can't be a co-pilot by yourself. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Or a co-author. Or a co-captain. Right? What does co mean? Somebody else involved in this. And you are a spirit. You live in a body. You have a mind. You're not, you're not just a body. You live. That's the house you live in. You're a spirit. But there's another person. Another spirit who lives inside the same house. My body is the temple. Of the Holy Spirit. Which is reason for us to treat it better. Somebody says, well, my body is my own. You know, actually, no. If you're a Christian, it's been bought, paid for with a price. It belongs to somebody else. You should ask him what he wants you to do with it. (laughs) But inside you is the Holy Spirit of God. We have not talked enough about this. We have not understood what a magnificent, what a giant thing this is. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's God. He's the one that was hovering on the face of the deep. In creation, when God said, light be, and he moved and manifested power that brought it to pass, he lives inside me. We have not taken advantage of him being inside us like we should. Because one of the things is, if you want to ignore him, he will let you. If you never want to check in with him or ask him anything, he will let you bumble along and stumble along and make mistakes and mess up your life. And he knows the answers to everything. But you have not because you ask not. And the Bible said, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct your paths. So there, the, your conscience is your communication connection between your spirit and his. So how important is that? Huh? Don't you want to hear from God? Don't you want to be directed of him and guided in your life and shown what to do and how to do it? He knows everything. The Bible said as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Hallelujah. Sons of God, and that's male sons and female sons, can expect to be led by the Spirit of God. So make a good confession right here. Say it out loud. I am led by the Spirit of God. I'm not head led. I'm not flesh led. I'm not circumstance led. I'm not, circumstance. I'm not feeling led. I'm not, 
I'm not led by other people. I am led by the Holy Spirit of God who lives inside me. <laughs> hey! Woo! Man, I ought to come and preach that to myself this morning. Woo! It's, this is something else. He's in you right now. Anything, everything that you need to know, He already knows. He don't have to figure it out, He don't have to go find it out. He knows anything, everything you need to know. Even a lot of things you just want to know. He already knows it. And he's, you don't have to go to the deepest depth or climb the highest mountain. He's right. Right here. Put your hand on your midsection and say, right here. Right now. <laughs> he's right here. Right now. How does he communicate with us? Through our conscience. The Bible said the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. See, doesn't that sound similar to co-witness? Witness with our spirit, co-witnessing. Now go with me to the second chapter of Romans. Romans 2. 15, I'm reading this out of Young's literal translation, Romans 2.15. It says, they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also witnessing with them, and between one another the thoughts accusing or else defending The New Living Translation says it like this, their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them that they're doing right. Now this is not hearing a voice. This is not hot flash, cold flash, goosebumps. Huh? This is not physical. And this is not mental. Now it affects your mental, but it doesn't come from your head. There is in us the Holy Spirit. He is the holy, righteous spirit of truth. He's right about everything. And when your, now let me stop right here. We're talking about your spirit and the Holy Spirit. You are not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> let me say it like this. Your spirit is not the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is in connection with your spirit and your conscience is how you're aware of it. And your conscience is your communication link, your connection, your spirit and his spirit. And you'll be thinking about doing this and you may think, well, I think that's okay. But then by the witness of the spirit, you have a check. Can you see this? Either accusing or defending. Either, you know, telling them, telling you inside it's right or telling you it's not right. And this is not hearing voices. This is not mental. 
This is a sense, spiritual sense, and this is a spiritual knowing. But it's not just you knowing something by yourself. It's a co-knowing. Co-knowing. And I don't know of anything in life that's more important for us to learn than to learn how to follow this. It literally saved your life. Life of your children. Literally save your finances, your marriage, all these things. But it's up to us whether we listen or not. Sadly, most people, uh, you know, like in the book of Acts, when they came to, to Ephesus, they, they said, you know, have you received the Holy Ghost? They said, we had not even heard if there is a Holy Ghost. Wow. That's most of the world. Hadn't got a clue that there is a Holy Spirit. And if you hadn't received Jesus, you don't have the Spirit. But we have. And we do. Hallelujah. But we hadn't always done a good job of listening, of following. All of us, I mean all of us, could have been spared so much. If we'd have paid attention to the inside and listened. Have you ever heard somebody say, I knew I shouldn't do that. How did you know? What do you mean? You're talking about you you knew something before it happened? How? There was a co-knowing. You got somebody in you who knows. And he was trying to let you know. (laughs) But you don't have to listen. Right? You can just be bullheaded, pig-headed. Huh? Just generally dumb. And say, I got this. And what's even worse, uh, we've had people look at us in counseling and saying, I, I know I shouldn't do it, but I'm going to. That's how you get hurt. Are y'all with me? Is it important that we, you know, do what the Bible says, be still. Know that I am God. Like Phyllis was talking about, pray in the Spirit. Take some time. Even just a few minutes can change your whole day and week. Just a few minutes, what? Turn your phone off. Turn the iPad off. Turn the TV off. At least a few minutes. You can do it. (laughs) Turn to your neighbor and say, you can do it. You can can do it. I know you may have some withdrawals, but you can do it. You You can do it. Turn it off. Put it on. Cover it up so you don't see it. Just, just a little while. What if somebody's trying to get a hold of me? You know, years ago, we'd go all day yeah. <laughs> without anybody being able to contact us, and we were okay. We were okay. <laughs> but what, what's the importance of being still and knowing that he is God? Because sometimes it takes a few minutes Sometimes longer, depending on what's going on, to get your body still, 
Get your mind quiet. And then it becomes more distinct to you what the spirit inside you is witnessing to. Letting you know. And you do not want to ignore that. You do not want to override that. Are y'all okay, church? How many think this is important? This is, this is very, very important. Uh, go with me over to uh, Timothy. <laughs> I got too many notes today. <laughs> I'm, I'm paring them down right now. Maybe you can come back. First Timothy, the fourth chapter. First Timothy chapter four. Now what what the ungodly world will tell you is that your conscience bothering you about something is the result of archaic religious ideas that have just been imposed on you from childhood. And uh, you need to just ignore all that and get rid of that. But the problem is, the more you ignore it, the less aware of it you are. The scripture says, 1 Timothy 4 and 1, Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Now these these were not just unbelievers. These are people who were in the faith. Right? You you can't depart the building if you weren't in the building. (laughs) So they'll give heed to seducing spirits. Are there spirits around trying to trick you, trying to fool you, all of us, trying to seduce you, what, away from God and into things that's not right, and doctrines of devils, well, the word is demons, again, he's talking about bad, wrong spirits, teachings of demons, now, you, these are not something you hear in a satanic church. you got to remember, these are people who were in the faith, and they left the faith, and now they're preaching something else. And what you'll find that these seducing things, these doctrines of demons, they'll tell you that lying's no big deal. That yielding to all kind of things to the flesh, is, you know, it's just natural. It's just, it's no big deal or it doesn't even matter that much. Or, and all of it has to do with don't listen to your conscience. Wow. That's just that old, you know, Victorian, archaic, religious thing you were brought up with. And your parents, you know, they were uneducated. And your grandparents, they didn't know, uh, you know, that... It's okay to to do all these things. It's, you know, be like the world and be conformed to the world. Is it? What are they, what's the enemy? Got to remember how tricky he is now. He never comes to the front door. What's, 
he, he lies to you. And it wouldn't be effective if it was obvious that it's a lie. Right? right. And he'll mix a partial truth in it. You remember what he did with Jesus in temptation in the wilderness? Took him to the pinnacle of the temple. Said, jump off of here. Because it's written. You remember that? It's written. You know, uh, his angels, he's given his angels charge over you. They'll bear you up in their hands. It's written. But Jesus didn't fall for that. How, how many understand that Jesus' spirit is alive and in connection with the spirit of God? You remember the spirit of God came on him. And how many understand the spirit of God is letting him know, don't you do that. Don't you jump off of that. So you, you, got to, you got to know God well enough to know it doesn't matter if somebody's quoting a scripture. People twist scriptures. You better pay attention to what you have in the inside. You're a child of God. You're born again. You got the Holy Spirit inside you. Trust Him. Oh, come on. Are y'all listening? Trust Him inside you. I don't care who it is, what preacher it is, what relative it is, tries to talk you into something and has got 12 scriptures for it. You don't override what you have inside you. Because any human being can miss it. They can be sincere and miss it. And even if the Lord did tell them to do that, don't mean he told you to do that. We're making good progress today, church. Huh? Yeah, we are. Put your hands on your midsection again. Say it out loud. I trust the Holy Spirit inside me. I refuse to be led by my own flesh, by other people, by anything else. I trust. I completely trust the Holy Spirit in me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That has spared Phyllis and myself and the church and the ministry. I could start telling you stories and cases, examples right now and, and days later still be telling you of things where friends of ours Fellow ministers of ours got so stirred up about doing the thing, and it sounded great, it looked great, but but we took a moment, come on, y'all listening, and checked for ourselves, and we didn't have it. We didn't see it for ourselves. You got to see it for yourself. And 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 sometimes people didn't understand and. And why didn't you do it? Or why don't you hook up with us? And, and sometimes we have to say, look, I'm not saying what you heard from God or not, but I don't have that. I, I got to see it. I don't need a reason not to do something. I need direction to do it. Hmm? And, and sometimes you got to be strong with your own family, with other people, with other believers. And again and again, those believers got in trouble. It wasn't God. It wasn't right. And if we'd just been looking from the outside, it looked good. It sounded good. There's so much we don't know in our heads. 
which is why trust him. If, if, he, if you got a check about something, you say, well, it looks great. It sounds great. Other people are doing it. But Spirit of God's check. Did you hear that? Their thoughts are accusing or excusing. Right? Confirming with a witness go ahead or a check. No, don't. And we're not talking about hearing voices. It's that co-witness, that co-knowing. Spared this church. From so many problems. Hallelujah. Oh somebody say thank you Lord. And we'll spare you. Spare you. So many problems. Somebody say thank you Lord. For the Holy Spirit. He goes on to say verse 2. Speaking lies. In hypocrisy. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. How many believe the Bible? Do you have a conscience? Can it be seared? That's damaged. That's your conscience damaged. Now what is searing? Other translations say, uh, the NCV says, Consciences destroyed as if by a hot iron, like a branding iron. Well, if you, if you put a branding iron or a hot iron on flesh, what does it do? It burns it. It destroys it. It destroys that outer layer of flesh. And, and if it destroys it enough and you have scar tissue come back, that scar tissue is less sensitive. It can even be completely unfeeling. No feelings in it. No feelings in it. No feelings in it. No sensation. No awareness. When even ungodly psychiatrists and psychologists and and different ones of, of university professors and every other kind of thing are pushing people, oh, you know, you don't need to feel guilty about doing that. Um, you know, that's just your old archaic, you know, religious stuff that you grew up with. They, they didn't know any better. They're just poor, uneducated people. What are they saying? Let your conscience be seared. Let it be seared so it doesn't even bother you anymore. So that you can do anything you want or think or anybody else. And it doesn't even bother you anymore. But how many know you get to that place, you're in a bad place. You couldn't hear from God if he was speaking to you through a bullhorn. You never want this. I said, you never want this. So how do I get and keep a clear conscience? And if you'd like to know, come back next week. <laughs> For part two. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll, I'll take a few. We've got a few minutes. Uh, and this is a whole study within itself, obviously, but there's only one thing in the universe that will cleanse the conscience. One thing and one thing only. 
You read about it in Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 10 especially, and other places. It is the spotless blood of the Lamb of God. It goes into detail talking about how that uh, uh, the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin and could never cleanse the conscience. Conscience is referred to multiple times in those chapters, Hebrews 9 and 10. But then it goes to talk about Jesus, whose blood is not like animal blood. He offered his blood once and obtained an eternal redemption for us. Hallelujah. And by that blood, there is no more conscience of sins. Not covered over. Purged, cleansed. Oh, hallelujah. If you will confess your mistakes, and somebody says, Well, why do I need to confess it if Jesus already paid for it? Well, if you haven't done anything wrong, there's nothing for you to need to receive. Yes, it's been taken care of, but that doesn't mean, doesn't mean you've received it. You got to receive it. So you acknowledge your mistakes. You don't have to. Give every detail, but if, if your heart's bothered you about something, you need to admit it. Yes. Come to God. Don't run from him. Come to him. Admit it. And then receive. Somebody say receive. Receive. Receive your forgiveness. Receive your cleansing and washing. Receive righteousness. Receive. Somebody say receive. Receive. Receive it. And and if you do that and you believe what he says, you believe his love. That if he says your sins and iniquities I will remember no more, then believe it. If he says he sees you as righteous, cleansed by the blood, believe it. And when you do, your conscience will stop bothering you. Hallelujah. Not because you seared it, but because it's clean yes. by the blood. Yes. Woo. Oh, somebody say a clean conscience by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And I gave you the really, really short version of that because I wanted time for this. Once you get a clean conscience... Next question is, how do I keep a clean conscience? Because even though you've been washed and clean, you can defile yourself again. You don't lose your will just because you become a believer. You still got a choice every day of your life. And if you don't listen to him, you ignore the Lord. You do things you shouldn't, you know you shouldn't do. God won't condemn you. But your own heart will. I said your own heart will. So now, not the Holy Spirit. He's not condemning you. Not God. Not Jesus. But your own heart is condemning you because you you feel guilty because you know you did something you shouldn't have done. Or you, you didn't do something you know you should have done. Your conscience is bothering you. Your heart's bothering you. Well, the same way you got clean the first time is this what you do. You do that again. But if you're going to 
keep a clear conscience. You can't just keep ignoring your heart and doing things you know is not right. You can't live in boldness and confidence and righteousness consciousness unless you're willing to walk in obedience to what you know. To keep a clear conscience. Did you hear what Paul said in Acts? I always exercise myself to have a clear conscience. Well, what? That sounds like you're doing something. Yeah. You, you're doing something. In our studies we did earlier, 1 Corinthians 8, 10, Romans 14, when they asked about, is it okay to eat these idol sacrifices or not? And what did the Spirit of God through Paul talk to them about? Their conscience. Keep your conscience. What, whatever's not of faith, he said, is sin. What does that mean? Whatever you, if you can't do it with confidence, with a sense of knowing, believing it's, it, it's okay in God's eyes and, and good and right, then you can't do it without your conscience bothering you. And is there a problem if my conscience is bothering me? That's my communication connection. With the Holy Spirit. When do I need the Holy Spirit? When do I need to hear from Him? At least once a week on Sunday, right? How about every minute of every hour of every day and every night of my life? Do you need Him? Why would the Lord say, I'm going to send you another helper? Huh? Why? That's like saying... Jesus looked at the disciples, and by faith he saw all of us, and he thought, you need help. You need need help. And so he sent us. Not an angel. He sent us. A person of God. Person of the Godhead. To live inside us 24-7, friends, we need, not, not just want, we need an unhindered, uncluttered connection. Is that right? We need full awareness of every nudge he gives us, of every check he gives us. And to ignore him and ignore him and ignore him and then just purposely do things that your heart's bothering you about. It's like taking a branding, hot branding iron to your conscience and damaging it and searing it. And you can, and don't take that long, you can get to a place where no matter what you do, it doesn't bother you anymore. And you are backslid. You are far from God. And it's possible you keep going that way far enough. And if you ever look up and say, I don't want Jesus. I don't believe in God anymore. You could be lost. Well, friend, I don't want any of that. I don't want to see how seared I can be without being lost. (laughs) Huh? Don't you want to know him? To commune with his spirit. Don't you want to keep your heart tender. And your conscience clear. So that even if he softly whispers something to you. You hear it crystal clear. 
Is that right? And you say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, your servant hears. Is that right? And that's what I'm going to do. It's exactly, and you, you're all primed to do something else. We all got flesh. We all got desires, and uh, they cannot be right. And so you're all geared up towards doing something, and the Spirit of God check you, check you. You got to check, check. And you go, mm, mm. Tell me what you're going to do. Help me out. Don't override that. Don't ignore that. At the very least, just put it all on hold. Is that right? And say, so I got to check on this and go get quiet, turn that stuff off, pray in the spirit for a while. What does that do? Makes you more aware of what's happening on the inside of you. And then when you're clear, follow that. Trust. Somebody say trust. Trust. Trust him who lives inside you. Hallelujah. Stand on your feet, everybody.